Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. I have a present truth prophetic word. This is not just for scripture pasture, it's for the whole church. And I've entitled it Reigning Righteousness. I've actually preached this some time ago. I can't remember, maybe a year, maybe two, I can't remember. But it is imminent. Because we're looking right in this month at the Feast of Tabernacles. The 26th of December is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is trumpets where they blow the shofar announcing the beginning of a new year. A new Shemitah cycle begins this year. Shemitah cycles are seven-year cycles that God instituted in ancient Israel. Those cycles are still in operation. One thing we need to understand is that, yes, Jesus, uh, the New Testament, has put away the um, ceremonial uh, observances of the Old Testament, the killing of animals, the washing, divers washing, all that's gone. However, the prophetic significance of the feasts still remain in the New Testament. It is interesting, wonderful, and instructive to observe. Jesus was born smack on the day of Passover. Sorry, he died on Passover. He couldn't have died a day before or after in order to fulfill the prophetic pattern. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. It didn't come the day before or the day after. So shall it be now. The outpouring of the latter and the former rain together, what we call the spirit without measure, will be fulfilled sometime inside the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the difference between Tabernacles and the two previous feasts, Passover is on a specific day. Pentecost was on a specific day. Tabernacles is spread. It begins with trumpets, what our Jewish brethren call Rosh Hashanah. Then we have the Day of Atonement, which is 10 days later, which happens to be, I think, October 5, you know, this year, which is the Day of Atonement and is known as Yom Kippur among our Jewish brethren. And then we have the Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles proper. It starts on the 15th day of the seventh month, you know, which will be five days after um, uh, Day of Atonement, which is about maybe October 10. You know, I have to check because you have to synchronize the Gregorian calendar that we use with the Jewish calendar. And then that lasts for seven days. Now, certain days are significant. All the days are important. The Bible tells us in the book of John, it's a historical account, but it has prophetic signals. It says about the middle of the feast, he went up. So let's see what's going to happen. Now, you can see you can't, you can't tie it to a day or hour because it's not third day, it's not fourth day, it's about the middle. 
Then the Bible says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, that Jesus stood on Christ saying, if any man thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So, what I'm saying, in short, is that we don't know the exact day or hour, but we expect that in this season of the Feast of Tabernacles, there will be a fresh outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit upon the church that will be greater. That's what they just sung, that David Ingle sung many years ago, that the latter and the former reign together in a measure that we've never seen before. It's going to be without measure. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to, I, I say this not to discourage you, but to tell you the truth and to motivate you to uh, press in. If we miss this Feast of Tabernacles, it's on to the next year again. God will not do it outside the Feast of Tabernacles. Take that to the bank. <laughs> because God moves in times and seasons. Passover was during Passover. Pentecost, Tabernacle is going to be during the Feast of Tabernacles. The only thing is that we don't know the exact day now. So we're trusting God that it is going to be this year. And, and, and the Bible says, that's why the scripture says, watch this. That we should hasten. I now understand better what he meant in the book of uh, Ephesians. When he says redeeming the time. Exactly redeeming the years. Because once you miss one year, you have to get another year. When the Bible talks about times, it's not just talking about seconds and minutes. It, Of course, there's an application there. But he's talking about years. Because the Bible says seven times. When the Bible talks about times, it's talking about years. So we're redeeming the time. We can't afford another year without the manifestation of the glory of God. Too many people will die. Too much suffering is going to take place. So we're trusted. So what do we do? We press in. I'll, I'll give you a historical perspective from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus understood these things perfectly. So when the time came for him to die, the, the disciples didn't understand it properly, you know. So he just gave them hints. He just said, look, he, he called Peter and John and he said, go and prepare Passover. Find a room, you know. So they had the last supper. He said, with desire, tried to, I want to eat this thing with you because I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine again until when I drink it afresh in the kingdom. Then he gave them an instruction they didn't understand at the time. He said, now, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He knew exactly that it was going to happen in only 10 days. But he didn't tell them that. He just told them. And then he gave them instructions. Tarry doesn't just mean wait passively. It means wait actively. So they obeyed. They were had in an upper room. And, you know, there was... a. Peter, James, and John, and all the, 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 the 12 minus Judas, they chose another person. Then they brought in all their disciples, which would include, of course, the 12 and the 70 who had been anointed before, and some extra brethren, including Mary, uh, the mother of the Lord, who we, our Catholic brethren, call the Holy Mother, and we call her the Holy Mother too, you know, and, uh, and his brothers who didn't believe in him when he was here. You know, when he was on earth. And all of them. And the Bible says they continued in prayer. And supplication with one accord. One accord means they had one purpose. It was in that atmosphere. 
of united prayer that the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. It's not any different now. Today, we don't have a physical location. You know, we've got good money in Jesus. We've got uh, four hours. We pray. We pray on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, all night. What I'm saying to you very simply is this. In these days that are ahead, make sure you press in. Into prayer. In one accord. We're not praying for prosperity. We're not praying. We're praying for the latter rain. We're praying for the former and the latter rain together. Hence, I have been instructed to bring this prophetic word to the church at such a time as this. Just like the Lord Jesus did, I'm following, I'm mimicking Jesus. He explained things to disciples and then he showed them from the scriptures. After his resurrection, he had a 40-day prophetic seminar. (laughs) And he expounded to them things concerning the kingdom out of the scriptures. It was out of those things that he shared with them that motivated them to pray. And now how they were praying, you know, and then 10 days to something, he ascended to heaven, then 10 days after he came. If he taught them for 40 days, where in today is September 4, you know, September 26 is down the road, you know, which is, you know, 20 something days from now, then you've got Yom Kippur, you know, then you've got the Feast of Tabernacle. Looking at that same period of time, probably a little bit more, you know, 20, 30, 40 days, you know. The important thing is you need to listen carefully to what I'm about to share with you. And then start practicing it. Many of these things, many of us are already doing them. So I'm going to speak to you like Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus. Hold fast that which you have. Press in. Because I believe this. I believe we have the critical mass, which is the number for the Old Testament, sorry, for the church, the early church. It was 120 to fulfill the picture in Second Chronicles chapter 5. It was 120 priests that were blowing trumpets. But that was for actually the Feast of Tabernacles. But the trumpets, uh, Pentecost was a forerunner to, to, to Tabernacles. I've shared this with you prophetically over the years. The trumpets of the, the tongues of Pentecost will now become the trumpets of tabernacles. So right now, as you're praying in tongues and all of that, you're blowing trumpets, we're worshiping God. One crucial ingredient in all of this is one accord. Everybody say one accord. We should all have one mind, one purpose. When when you're praying for material, that's just on on the side. But the main thing is we want to see the glory of God in manifestation. So you want to press in and be praying. We're already doing it. Many of us here in Scripture Pasture are already doing it. But I also want to warn us. uh, I don't know if I can call it a warning. I want to inform us because it's not a negative thing. Now, we're not the only ones. God is raising up people. All over the earth. The church in Nigeria and here is going to be a pioneer, but it's not going to be exclusive to us. 
a big, big, it would be a big mistake. Elijah, Elijah said, oh, I'm the only one. Jesus said, uh-uh. I got 7,000. You know, and if you look at the typology, all is not in my notes. I'm speaking purely by the Spirit. You know, I'll get to my notes in a minute. You know, uh, if you look at the, at the Gideon's army, uh, Gideon's army and Noah's ark symbolize an end time army or group of saints of about the number of 300. The great thing about it is that they are connected by the spirit. And if you look at Gideon's army, there were 100 people who were physically with Gideon. But there were two other companies that were not in the same physical location as Gideon. Today, that will speak of some of our other brethren who may not be here physically with us in scripture pasture or wherever, you know, but maybe in other locations, you know, some may be personally, I believe that we majority, I'm, I, I'm, I can't be exclusive on it because I'm not God and I don't know everything. And it's when it happens, we will know. But I'm going to say this like Paul said it, you know, I give my opinion as one that has had the mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I believe it's going to be made of three main groups in the church. Nigerian church or the church in Nigeria that is the, what characterizes these groups of people are three major things. Number one, they have made the decision to walk in love. Love is fundamental because all the praying in tongues will only be effective to the degree that you have made the decision to walk in love and you are practicing it. Number two, they are praying daily with a, for, for humility of heart to receive the spirit, increased spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can't do without that. Number three, they're praying in the spirit. Tongues, groanings, and all of that. that there are things that characterize this uh, 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 army of people. So you, you have a company in Nigeria, I believe. You will have a company in England. And you're going to have a company in America. These three nations contain the vanguard of the end time move of God. Now, there are Christians all over the world, don't misunderstand me. But they have the correct understanding of the prophetic perspective of what God is doing. And it's so because of historical reasons. Nigeria is the nation beyond the rivers of the river, which the rivers divide. There's a scripture, a scripture for that. But apart from the scripture, you find that, you know, Nigeria, you know, particularly in the last 30, 40 years, you know, God, God, people like myself and many other people, you know, they got them born again through the Holy Spirit, especially on the campuses, the students. A lot of people have gone the wrong way, like Saul, Jonathan, and David, you know, but some people have stayed with it, you know, and understood the prophetic purpose of God for the church in Nigeria, and they've been faithful at it. So you have a company in Nigeria. You have a company in England. I don't know them. I don't know them, you know, one-on-one. A strange thing happened with Pastor Wally 
and I in London just last week. We went to a shop to buy something. So we're looking for the person who is the shop attendant, you know. And finally, this man comes up, in, in, you know, in Kent. So we started to ask him about, you know, this and that, you know. And he answered, okay. Then he suddenly looked at us and said, are you guys Christians? I said, yes. I said, I'm a pastor. He said, I knew it. White. White guy. He said, I knew it. He said, I could tell. Then he began to talk. Inside the shop. How God saved him. God filled with the Holy Spirit. He told me about the church he attends. You know, how they pray in the Spirit. And I was just looking. I was so blessed. I said, God, so you have your people. God, just, it was just a witness. In the most unlikely place. You know, in England, they, you don't talk religion. They will sack you. That's why he asked, are you Christians? Before he started talking. See, I've not mentioned the name of the shop. Deliberately. Or even what I went to buy. I've not mentioned it. There's nobody that can trace him. Because ordinarily, you know, in that, in, that, in, that, in that climb, if you start doing that, they can say, oh, you are harassing the customers, you know, and all of that. Very serious, deeply rooted Christian. Working in that place. White man. I said, eh. God was trying to tell me, you see? You see? I even told him about the ministry. I told him he could see us on YouTube. Good morning. I told him everything. So he said, okay. He'll go and look at Told me about his own pastor. You know, and they have an independent church. They're not in the assemblies of God. They're not in anything. They're you, just like us. Then the United States. And it's for historical reasons. Because God is a covenant keeping God. I said this, I think last week before I travel, you know, there are three nations that are not going to go down. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many people are marching on Oxford Street or are marching down um, um, Fifth Avenue in New York and, you know, saying all kinds of silly things, LGBTQ and uh, we don't... God has a remnant. And God is going to be faithful to that remnant. Don't be deceived by the noise, the noisy minority. There is a holy majority. Who are praying. And all these things are there. They made a decision to perfect the love of God. I know disciples of Kenneth Hagin will be doing this. I know disciples of Kenneth Copeland. Will be doing it because that's, that's where I learned it from. So I know there will be people like that. I don't know them. I don't, can't tell you this is where they are. But I know they will be there. And they'll be praying in the spirit. So you're going to have a company. You know. Here. Another company. In the UK. Another company in, uh, in the US. And maybe there'll be other people. Canada. Some other places. Little you know. Only God knows all of that. But I'm just saying the major thing. And what will unite us. Is purpose. One accord. To bring the glory of God down. And they're there as I'm talking now. 
They are fasting. They are praying. We are fear. We are fasting. We are praying. So what am I saying to us? You know, press in. Hasten. We must not miss this Feast of Tabernacles. If we miss it, it's until next year. Because it must happen, Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus said, tear it in Jerusalem. Taught them things from the scriptures concerning the kingdom. That's why on the day of Pentecost, Peter had a sermon from Joel, which is where I'm going to in a minute. He had a sermon from Joel that Jesus had taught them during those 40 days. And it was on the basis of those scriptures that were making intercession. So when it happened on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. So all that is just an introduction. I'm not talking to anybody here. I'm giving you a present truth prophetic word. Everybody go to Hosea. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea. I'm not talking to anybody here. I said I'm not talking to anybody here. It says so to yourself. Everybody read after me. Say so to yourselves. In righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time. You can say it is the year. <laughs> it is time to seek the Lord till he come. And rain righteousness upon him. This prophetic truth is being fulfilled as I speak now. As I'm talking now, that rain has already started. But it's drizzling now. <laughs> A deluge is about to come. You know when it starts raining, it won't just, it will, it will first of all drizzle. Then the, 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 the rain will not increase in intensity. That's what I'm going to be teaching and preaching about. What is this rain? It is the pouring out of the blood of Jesus and the life of God from a perfect leadership or a leadership that is walking in perfection to a fully submitted followership who are following God from our Bible study, who are mimicking them, who are imitating them. This prophetic picture is clearly shown in Psalm 133. Let's go there. Psalm 123. And let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, A song of degrees. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Of David. Behold. Open your mouth somebody. Behold. I'll say it where I can hear it. Uh -huh, that's better. Behold. How good. And how pleasant. It is for brethren. To dwell together in unity. Remember the book of Acts. One accord. Unity. It is. That is the effect of it. Like the precious ointment. Or anointing. Upon the head that round down the beard, even Aaron's beard, 
and went down to the skirts of his garments. Everyone under that leadership will experience the flow. The other day I was teaching us about the bride of Christ. You know everybody in the body that will experience it sadly. Because they won't make the consecration and they're not vessels of honor, you know. I, I, think, I, I think I said it here and I also said it during the conference. You know, isn't it amazing, you know, how without Paul having the knowledge of science that we have today. Doesn't have knowledge of science. He said in a great house there are many vessels. There's gold, there's silver, there's wood and earth. And today, with the knowledge of electricity, we know gold and silver will conduct electricity and wood and earth are insulators. What does that mean? If you look at the church, the church is made up of many vessels. Vessels speaks of our physical bodies. Some of our physical bodies will conduct the life of God. The life of God can manifest through them. In other, other people who have not dealt with the flesh, who have not consecrated themselves, they have not, you know, uh, the sin nature is, is still heavily there. They are insulators. So you know what's going to happen? When that anointing is poured out on the leadership, on the head, the perfect, perfect leadership, you know, it will go down. It's gonna, it should go to everybody, but it won't. Because everywhere that is an insulator, it, the, 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 just like electricity, it will only pass through the place of conduction. It will not pass through the insulators. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.